喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵喵。I'd like to propose a toast. Welcome to Wines and Dolls, a podcast where Chelsea and Emily wine and talk about musicals. Welcome. Wine is a double on Tundra. That was cute. Thanks. Did you like that? I feel like that was, it wasn't quite a third that I gave you. It wasn't, but I kept going with it. Yeah. That's fine. I don't know what, it, I think it was like a, it was like two and a half. It was kind of an acid trip, much like the much musical like that we're month. covering. <laughs> hey, happy October. It's spoopy ween. We're covering scary bad Broadway this month. So bad it's scary. So bad it's scary. And y'all are going to come at me for the show that I'm covering the next two weeks. <laughs> but first, let's talk a little bit about what our new setup and plan is. <gasps> yes. We have a new setup. A setup that... I enlightened Chelsea of really quick and then added things. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> so what we're doing is we're going to be covering two musicals a month. And sometimes we may still interview people because we very much enjoy that when there's a fifth week in a the month. fifth week. A fifth but Thursday. Fifth Thursday. But we're going to be covering background of the musical and then covering the musical the next week. So today we'll get to try this out with Cats the Musical. Meow, meow, meow. Don't come at me. I think it's scary bad. I know it's, it's very polarizing of a show. It's a very polarizing show. Polarizing. Yes. <laughs> But first, hey, Chelsea. Hey, Emily. What are you drinking? What are we drinking? What are we drinking? I've got some water and also I've got some bubbly wine. What is this? It's whatever rosé we were drinking a couple weeks ago. Mm. Bubbling rosé. Yes. It's, uh, it's a little flat because it's, it's a little It's old, a little but flat. It's okay. Yeah. Hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you drinking? Same thing. Awesome. Minus the water. Don't mm. need that non-alcoholic vodka today. Yeah, who needs it? Yeah. Stupid. Hey, hey, Chelsea. Damn it. Oh. Hey, Emily. What are you whining about? I'm going to whine in a good way that my new job is exhausting, but I finally get to sleep in on Sunday mornings. And yeah. we, we were supposed to film Evil Spread um, episodes yesterday, but Tori also like got busy and then one of our actors ended up having to work. Mm. So we canceled the day. So I had a whole day to myself and it was magical. And then I got to sleep in. It was wonderful. And then even this morning we were supposed to record at 930. And then I'm like, my AC is fixed. Yay. 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 So we could move to the afternoon. So you even had a free morning. You're welcome. It was great. I'm the one who suggested it though. That is true. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it was it was really nice to sleep in. So I very much enjoyed that. Hey, Emily. Hey, Chelsea. What are you whining about? Today, I am whining that my AC was out for five days. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm whining about a, today. A very good whine. Yes. Um, we've been having storms coming through Houston this past week. It is, we're recording on the first Sunday of October. Hey. Yay. And the storms that came through last week in Houston, one of them blew out the electricity a couple times at my house. 
and on one of those little blowouts, it also blew out my the fan in my AC unit. Oh Jesus! But thank God for home warranty. Yay! I literally was on my on the phone with one of my clients when Chelsea came in and. She was like, I just feel like all my appliances are about to break. And I was like, go get home warranty now. Home warranty is the shit. Even though it's not. Like, home warranty is such a pain in the ass if you don't use it. But as soon as you need it, it's It's like there for you. It's like a weird insurance for your appliances that you get when you buy. We will... You get at least one year usually when you buy a house and then you have to renew it. And it's kind of expensive. It's like... Mm -hmm. Depending on how big your house is, it can be upwards of six hundred mm-hmm. um, a year, but it covers things like your AC fan blowing out. Mm-hmm. So well, I know my my aunt Sandra. Like I don't know what it is with that house that she's living in, but it always seems to flood. But not from floodwaters in Houston. Mm-hmm. It's like from her radiator exploding yeah. or the fridge suddenly yeah, melting. Yeah, all the appliances. All the appliances. She's like, oh, thank God for home. Home warranty. Home warranty. <laughs> Home warranty. <laughs> the resounding mm-hmm. ad for that. We are so, not sponsored by any home warranty ads. No, we are so not. We just believe we in them. Be. Could be. Contact could us. Be. So now it's a nice frigid 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. Yay. Mm. <laughs> so today, I get to cover the musical background of cats. Meow meow. Which I picked for Scary Bad Broadway because I think it's awful. I honestly, I had never seen the show. Never. I just heard the music. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fairly big Andrew Lloyd Webber fan, but this is one that I just never understood. And you hadn't seen the movie. I had not seen You've the movie. Seen, so. And here's the setup for that. I actually chose this because everybody was raving about how terrible the movie was. Yes. And so that is why I actually chose Cats, not because I thought like the stage show was really bad. I knew it was really weird. The concept is odd, but uh, I chose it because of the movie. <laughs> And then I didn't end up watching the movie. I the actually new movie, the new to be movie. clear. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The new movie with James Corden, I ended up, and Taylor Swift, I ended up not watching because I was going to. Yeah. I, but then I sat down and watched the stage show from 1980s, and I was like, well, that was two hours of my life I can't get back. <laughs> I am not going to dedicate another two hours to this. Well, until today. Until today. <laughs> this, is, this isn't this is going to be a two hours, though. I mean, I do, I want to say I have four pages of background on cats, and then I have two pages of synopsis. Oh, we'll so, fill it out. <laughs> and I, I feel like as I was, so I did this backwards. I looked up the background on cats after I watched the movie, or after I watched the stage show. Yeah. The 1981, or 1982. And I feel like I understand it a little bit better, and I would I would follow the the plot a little better. It's kind of like how I how I felt about Rent, which mm-hmm. we still haven't covered because we're gonna wait on it. Yeah, but a with whole at least six months. The first time I saw Rent, I saw it, I think at Jones Hall, and it was you know live, and I hadn't heard the music before, and it was way up in the balcony, and I just mm-hmm. couldn't see what was happening. It was just a bunch of people moving around. There was some metal on there stage. There was a candle. There's a candle at some point. I just didn't get it. And I was like, this music is so similar. I don't get it. So then I went back and listened to the music and started learning it. And then I had an appreciation for Rent. Then I saw it on stage again with Constantine Morales. And I was like, oh, okay, I like this. This is good. And then he was an asshole to me. 
<laughs> I got to a, meet the That's a story actors. for another day. Cats, a story for another day. <laughs> so anyway, Cats, I think, is the same. If I go back and watch Cats with this new appreciation of the background and everything, then I, I feel like I might enjoy it a little bit more. So just a side note, listen to this episode before watching Cats, if you've never seen Cats before. Yes. You can rent it on Amazon Prime, the 1982 version and the movie that stars Taylor Swift and Judy Dench and all the people. Okay, so let's get into this. Cats is a sung-through musical composed by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Who was that? He did The Phantom of the Opera and Joseph, and we've covered those. We know who he is. We know. I know him. He's also the one who is super against any sort of Western show or any of his shows not having full capacity. He's like, if we can't sell it at full capacity, I don't want it. Wow. Yeah. Now, he's been very weird about COVID, Mm -hmm. very strange about COVID. I'm like, dude, you're very old. You should maybe, maybe protect yourself. Did you see him at the Tonys? No. I didn't watch the Tonys. I thought the Tonys was a piece of shit this year. Oh, well, I watched it because I just happened to have Paramount Plus, and he was in the second row at one point. I was like, who put him in the second row? (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Anyway, Cats, apparently, Andrew Lloyd Webber was inspired by the 1939 poetry a collection called Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats <laughs> by T.S. Eliot. Okay. And it tells the story of a tribe of cats called the Jellicles, and the night they make the quote-unquote Jellicle choice by deciding which cat will ascend to the heaviside layer and come back to life. Yep, that, right. that face that you're making right there, that's exactly what I was like, huh? <laughs> So he was inspired by T.S. Eliot to write Cats. and they, Where they have a lair. Where they, uh, not heaven, but heaven side lair. Lair. Yeah. Lair. 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 Like a yeah. whole bunch of aliens yes. or evil doers. Have you ever seen Cats? Yeah. A long time ago. I watched the one you watched. Okay. There's like a freaking... I feel like it's like Rocky Horror, where by the time we get to the end, I'm like, I don't know what I I literally. I was posting on Instagram. I know I was. (laughs) I was posting on Instagram. There was a lot. There were a lot of moments that were a lot like Rocky Horror for Mm -hmm. me, but then also like the end was just so weird. Uh, But there's like a sometimes it's a spacecraft that's circular and it comes down and it gets the cat at the end and it pulls it up back up into the rafters this one the 1982 movie which is the original broadway cast has a just like an arm of a spaceship coming down at the end and then she gets on and then goes back i always hoped that that wasn't real it was like a fever dream that i had that was not a fever dream that is real this is like the most this was a strange show to watch, y'all. I'm not going to lie. And I know, I know a lot of y'all are going, oh my God, no, Cats is the best. I know, Dante, if you're listening to this, you're shaking your head going, that is the show that inspired me to be a dancer on Broadway and I lived out my dreams and that is where I am. And Cats inspired that. I get it. Sandra, I know you're probably shaking your head at me. My mom and I had a conversation though. She's like, I don't get that shit. I saw the same show they saw and I don't get it. There is an alien, if, all the way up to the alien arm. <laughs> is no. like I get it, but then so, there's suddenly an alien arm. There's an alien arm <laughs> at the end. Yeah, so it's just a strange, it's just a strange musical to me. But it's it when you look at it in the from the viewpoint of it is a T. S. Eliot concept show. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense. I just didn't know, and I was like, "What the fuck is a jellical?" So apparently, it's it's a made up word from the T. S. Eliot. Poems. Oh, because oh, I was I was like, oh yeah, it's a jellical cat. Jellical cat, jellical. It's, it's like I thought a, it was like a tabby cat or like, like a the particularly fluffy 
mangy kind of cat is a jellicle cat, apparently. Oh, the ones that just have hair in their face that sticks straight <laughs> out. Like uh, Olivia, Celeste's cat. Yeah. yeah. Aww, so, Olivia. Again, this is only this much of four pages of notes, so I'm going to talk a little more. So the London Theater, the new London Theater, was the first place that Cats was ever seen in 1981. It opened in London, in the New London Theater, and made its Broadway debut in 1982 in the Winter Garden Theater. We'll get more into it in a little bit. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice. (gasps) Coming back to Broadway. Yeah! Us saying that made it happen. I think that's why. That's exactly why. So Andrew Lloyd Webber began settling Eliot's poems to music in 1977, and the compositions were first presented as a song cycle in 1980. Song okay. cycle makes more sense to me than okay. a fully staged musical. Music and dance are the main focus of the show at the expense of a traditional narrative structure. That, that okay. I get, makes Yes, that makes such so sense. I'm like, yes, great music, mm-hmm. great and honestly, great costumes. Great costumes. And great dance. Great set. Weird plot. The set is like, the lighting's really cool. They start it with a bunch of green eyes in the Ooh. on stage, just opening one at a time, and then closing, and then the lights come up, and you're in a junkyard. So yes. it's very cool. It's a very cool set. It kind of reminds me of um, that bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson moment where he's standing on the pile of junk. It's like that. Is it? The, do you have the set, set designer later? I actually, I don't think I have it in here, but we'll, we'll look it up later. So the set's really cool. The costumes are great. They're all literally humans covered in fur and body paint and onesies, onesies (laughs) as cats. And they move like cats. It's an, actually, I have this note later on, but I'm just going to say it now uh, because it makes more sense to say it now. Cats is meant to be interactive. It's like mm-hmm. one of the first interactive musicals that is like Aww. like an immersive musical. And we reached out to a friend who's on the Cats tour, and he, he told us that there is no orchestra in the pit. They want it to be so immersive and want the they want the theater to the people in the theater to believe that they're in this strange universe, this weird feline universe. So the orchestra is never in a pit. They cover the pit and they put them backstage. They put them in a green room. They're always remote. So like on tour, uh, our friend was saying that they do the entire show from the green room and it's the music is canned into the theater, which is so crazy to me. Yeah. We can go ahead and say it's Jonathan. It's Jonathan. (laughs) It's Jonathan Grouty. He's the uh, associate conductor or second conductor or second keyboard. He is... He is on the person tour on tour right now. He so you can go see him. He plays every single show, mm-hmm. or he is up up there conducting. Up there conducting. Well, you can't see him playing because he's at the in same a green time. room. Yeah, they have the, he. I think he has the camera on him, like because he still has to play. Yeah, and so he's conducting with his head. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's like um, it was like that for SpongeBob on Broadway too. I was yeah. watching my friend conduct it from the pit, but she was also uh, playing piano and. Sometimes she had to like throw props on stage too, and I'm like, "Wow, you do it it's, all, lady." Yeah. So anyway, give uh, props to the orchestra conductors. Mad props. Mad for props. Those. Don't give them props to throw, though. Don't give them props to throw. It's too <laughs> much. But um, so another part that's immersive with this show is that the original Broadway theater was built with catwalks going from <laughs> that literal catwalks. <laughs> Going from the stage all the way out to the box seats and the balcony. And when they came on stage, the cats started in the house and they would 
creep their way onto the stage. So they wanted it to be as immersive as possible. So like, if you're not on stage, go fuck with the audience. <laughs> Basically, as I hope was. people like perched on people's shoulders, right? Yeah, because they're like rubbed they're up like against their faces. By this is pre-COVID, of course. Yeah, <laughs> they're bipedal, right? Like they're they're really kind of they're walking on two legs, but still as if they have they're yeah. walking on four. Well, like still as cats. They, I mean, like they walk. They walk upright sometimes, usually mm-hmm. for songs, but then when they're not doing songs or they're dancing, it's usually down on all fours. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like on their knees and then their hands. So, yeah. So, musicologists have tried to pick this apart. <laughs> and this, this <laughs> guy, this one person, William Everett and Paul Laird, described cats as, quote-unquote, combining elements of the review and concept musical, which is probably the best way I could describe this. Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats is a collection of light poetry about cats that Elliot had originally written for his grandchildren in the 1930s. And due to the rhythmic nature of Elliot's work, there had been previous attempts before cats at setting his poems to music, though none of these attempts had been met with much critical or commercial success. And another musicologist wrote about the poems. They provide excellent material for musicalization as Eliot's style in this collection is reminiscent of a popular lyricist. The poet uses repetition, catchphrases, strong hooks, steady rhythm, and outrageous attention-grabbing rhymes, which are ingredients of every well-crafted popular lyric. So it's not like people hadn't tried to turn this into something, mm. but Andrew Lloyd Webber was the first one to successfully do so, even though it seems like a huge pile of crap. I'm like, what What gold did people think this poem was? I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, there's other poems out there. There's a lot of questions about cats yeah. for me. Like, why? There's no, like, Emily Dickinson poems that were set to music. Like, oh. Okay, well, I'm sure there is, but. In the opera world, in the art song oh, world. Sure. Oh, my God, yes. Okay, oh, well. Love it. Anyways. Anyway, so, <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber began composing the songs in late 1977 as songwriting, as a songwriting exercise, partly because Elliot's book had been a childhood favorite of his and partly to see if he could write music to predetermined lyrics. Because he'd always worked with uh, Rice, or he always had like a lyricist of, of his own to work with. Mm. So, Tim Rice. Tim Rice, yes. So predetermined lyrics, he didn't have somebody he was working with necessarily on this. They ended up bringing in, the, the director and the producer ended up bringing in somebody to help finish and connect some of the pieces because mm-hmm. just... T.S. Eliot's poems were not connecting and it was too hard to understand what was happening. Too many drugs. Too many drugs. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was cocaine. Cocaine. (laughs) Cocaine. Cocaine. I think it was cocaine. So the compositions were... It wasn't catnip. Catnip. (laughs) That's what we call cocaine. Goes up in your nose real good. So the compositions were performed privately for friends, but Andrew Lloyd Webber had no further intentions at the time of continuing anything. After the song cycle, Tell Me on a Sunday, was televised uh, by the BBC in, the early ni- or in, the, in early 1980, Lloyd Webber began considering using his musicalization of Eliot's poems in the same vein for a televised concert anthology. He considered approaching, and then did approach, Cameron McIntosh to explore possible avenues for the songs. Ooh, Cameron McIntosh. What a fun name. Well, he's the one who does all, like, he produced 
a lot. He works a lot with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes. Yeah. This was, wasn't this one of his first? It must have been. Well, well-known pieces. I believe so. I think so. Because yeah. like 1987 was Phantom of the Opera, right? Mm-hmm. That was my And his name's year. on that too. Cameron McIntosh? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, here's a little side note I didn't put in here. So my favorite episodes of Kimmy Schmidt, and yes, I talk about the Kimmy Schmidt stuff a lot, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, because it's <laughs> so good. So one of my favorite episodes is with when Titus gets invited to be a part of Cats, and then he realizes that Cats is just is not an actual show. People just show up and they make up shit on stage, and that's how you get into <laughs> Cats, and that's how Cats is created. I would believe it. And literally, <laughs> literally he shows up, and he, they're all like, we need to tell you something. Oh, Titus. And he just has to make up something on stage, and then he like ends up telling the world about cats and how it's such a crime that it's just a made-up show it, i mean i would be like they just like as long as memory makes it in no one knows anything else okay so i did a little quick search of cameron mcintosh just because i was curious sir cameron mcintosh okay uh he produced les mis phantom of the opera mary poppins oliver miss saigon cats and hamilton hmm. no big deal no big deal yeah it's kind of like platt only ben platt's not in any of these yeah so the show is originally titled Practical Cats. Practical Cats. Practical Cats. So it was titled Practical Cats because that's what the T.S. Eliot poems were titled. As show, as, so as the show was then called Practical Cats, it was presented as a song cycle in 1980 summer Sidmonton Festival. Sidmonton. I don't have your sheet up, so I can't correct you if you're wrong. No, it's so S-Y-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Sidmonton. Sidmonton. The concert was performed by Gemma Graven, Gary Bond, and Paul Nichols. Uh, Elliot's widow and literary ex-executor, Valerie, were both in attendance and brought along various unpublished cat-themed poems by Elliot. One of these was called Grizabella, the Glamour Cat, which... Although rejected from Elliot's book for being, quote-unquote, too sad for children, gave Andrew Lloyd Webber the idea for the fl- full-blown musical. The full-blown musical. The, the too sad for children will tie into my show later. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so Andrew Lloyd Webber was actually quoted after uh, this little moment that I found here saying, the musical and dramatic images that this created for me made me feel that there was very much more to the project that I then I had realized I immediately decided that I needed the support of another to encourage me to rework my settings and to see if a dramatic whole could be woven from the delightful verse that was now to be allowed to develop at least he's self-aware yeah yeah he's like I couldn't do it until I saw T.S. Eliot had some sad shit and then I need and then I need help from others now I need some more help yeah we're gonna make this happen so Andrew Lloyd Webber thus decided to turn Practical Cats into a musical co-produced by Macintosh and the really useful groups Brian Brawley. Love the u- really useful group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know who they are. We talk about them. We talked about them before. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So producer Cameron Macintosh then recruited director Trevor Nunn and choreographer Jillian Lynn to turn the songs into a complete musical. Musical. One of Nunn's stipulations for agreeing to direct Practical Cats was that actress Judy Dench would be cast in the musical and we have some tea on that too 
Judy Dench. Judy Dench. Back then, she was a younger Judy Dench, but Andrew Lloyd Webber was happy to oblige given her credentials. And so Dench joined the company in the dual roles of Grizabella and Jenny Annie Dots. Jenny lo- Annie Dots. Jenny Annie Dots. I know, I really couldn't, I couldn't follow who was who in this show. I was trying. Everybody except. They all look Tom, like Tom, cats. Tom, Tom, Tom Tucker, Tom. Tum Tum Tucker? Tum Tum Tucker? Yeah, that one. That one. Whatever. Rum Tum Tucker. There we go. I was like, Tummy Tum Tucker. No. <laughs> he was sexy, so I could find him. He was fine. He was fine. Anyway, so Judy Dench was cast in the show as, as a double role, Jenny Annie Dots and Grizabella. And former Royal Ballet principal dancer Wayne Sleep was offered the part of Mr. Mistopheles after Lloyd Webber and Macintosh attended a performance by his dance troupe. Uh, one of the many dance showcases they saw in preparation for the musical. Casting for the other roles began in November 1980 with auditions held across the UK for dancers who could also sing and act, which I thought this was just a dance show. Some of the stuff they're singing is hard. It's hard, yeah. Like, I know Andrew Lloyd Webber. I've listened to interviews, and he's said in the past that he was inspired by opera because his parents used to play it on the, the LD records growing up. And you can really hear it in these compositions. But also then there's like the stupid, oh, well, there never was there ever. It's like, why? So it's just like there's opera and then there's like, oh, it's, oh yeah, it's a children's thing. Oh, no, it's not a children's thing. Now somebody's dying. I don't understand. Dying. Death is still yeah prevalent and it's relative, or not relative, but quite the word. Predominant. Predominant in, yes. Yes. In the lives of children. Right. I looked up the really useful group. Their acronym is RUG, by the way. Uh, They are actually, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because they were actually set up by Andrew Lloyd Webber in 1977. And the reason they're called the really useful group is because... Starlight Express. Mm. <laughs> it's another flop. I know, but Andrew Lloyd Webber, but it it talks. It's like Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, and they're referred to as really useful engines. Oh, okay. So, but I also thought they were funny. Side they note, were rug. Side note: I know. Um, oh my god, her name just slipped out of my brain. I can see her face. She's the witch. She's a witch. In. From the BYOP group. The witch from BYOP. And she was on tour with Phantom. Carmen. Carmen. That, so she, oh, she's actually a witch. I was. No, she is. Yeah, she's a yeah, witch. Yeah, I was thinking you meant like. like no, okay, so from let me explain. Wizard of Oz. No, Carmen. Uh, I know, yes. Carmen, you're probably like rolling your eyes at me so hard that I just said Starlight Express sucks. But it, it I, I tried listening to it after you recommended it, and I was like, oh no. I don't know. We'll cover it. I put it. it in my story. We'll cover it and eventually. It like, Can you really do it? Or I, something like that. It's hard. It was hard to listen to, and I started looking into it, and I was like, I don't know about this. This is one of the acid trip shows, I think, that Angela Weber did. So <laughs> anyway. Um, so Judy Dench. Judy Dench was hired for the role. There was initial disagreement over the casting of Nicholas as Rum Tum Tugger, None had misgivings about the actor's easygoing attitude, but eventually yielded to Andrew Lloyd Webber, Macintosh, and Lynn, all of whom were keen on Nicholas for the role. Sarah Brightman, who had already made a name for herself with the chart hit I Lost My Heart to Starship to a Starship Trooper, 
arranged. <laughs> I think that every day. Every fucking day. <laughs> she actually arranged herself a private audition and, la- oh, and was cast. private audition. Mm-hmm. Which she ended up being married to Lloyd Webber for mm-hmm. a while. And yeah, that's that so bad. Kind of I also call was. those private auditions. Oh. And she was cast in an as-then undecided role, which later I'll talk about what role she actually was cast in. <laughs> yeah, okay, we can and definitely guess what kind of private audition that was. Yeah. Then. Oh, we have a role yeah, for you. Have, I just don't know what it we is. We don't know what it is, y'all. Jesus. No, they actually did not. They didn't. Um, they didn't write who these characters were. They just had songs. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, by December, the full cast had been assembled. Ah. Me- meanwhile, Macintosh engaged the advertising agency, Duinters, to design a poster for the musical. And this, I <gasps> thought, was dumb for a second. And then I was like, oh, wait, it's got meaning. Yeah. After a much back and forth, the agency presented a minimalistic poster consisting of a pair of yellow feline eyes yes! with dancing silhouettes for the pupils set against a black backdrop, which is what we know and love as the Cats musical uh, poster. poster. The producers and the creative team loved the design, but felt that the title Practical Cats just looked out of place when paired with the image of the cat's eyes. So the musical title was thus shortened to Cats. I love this poster, Mm -hmm. mostly because I was like, oh yeah, cat eyes, cat eyes. And then it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I'm like, there's dancers in the pupils. It's Uh, kind of brilliant. It's like finding out that the D of Disney is not actually a backwards G. Mm hmm. Huh. Mm hmm. (laughs) So the musical was scheduled to open on April 30th, 1981, with previews starting on April 22nd. Shortly before tickets went on sale in mid February, Nunn revealed to the alarmed producers that he was struggling. To write the script for the musical. Oh, yeah, shocker. Despite still having no established book or score, rehearsals began on March 9th, 1981, in a church hall in Chiswick, London. And later that day, when Lloyd Webber, Macintosh, and Nunn met with Richard Stilgo, a musician known for his ability to Im- improvise lyrics on the spot, they met with him uh, in hopes that Stilgo could write an opening song for the musical. By the next evening, Stilgo had produced a draft for the song Jellicle Cats, Jellicle Songs for Jellicle Cats. However, Memory, an 11 o'clock number for Grizabella that none insisted the show needed as its emotional center, still had no lyrics at this point. So Lloyd Webber's former writing partner, (laughs) Tim Rice, was brought in to write lyrics for the song, believe it or not. But his version was rejected by none for being too depressing. Trevor, go away. <laughs> Come on, Trevor. Come on, Trevor. It's, he said, no, nah, it's too sad. So the lyrics for memory were not completed by none until well into the previews. I just think it's funny. So the so Grizabella, who didn't know the plot of her show, but went up and she's like, I want canned food, not, not dry Gravy. food. Put some gravy on it. (laughs) I have four paws. (laughs) And please don't declaw my paws. Look at my shiny dress. It's so shiny. It's so shiny. (laughs) (laughs) So many of the ensemble characters. That's why we're not hired to be improvisers for musicals. (laughs) Here's what we would not be hired for cats. Many of the ensemble (laughs) characters were created by the original cast through extensive improvisation sessions held during their rehearsal process. I love that. We're like, we don't want to write it, but you can, and then we're going to put our name on it. We're going to put our name on that. Thanks. At least it's like James Lapine allowed it to happen for 
Putnam County. Uh-huh. He's like, well, we'll add actual names when they come up with shit. Right. Oh my God. So the production faced a last minute mishap. Here's where the tea comes in. Ugh, so much tea. When Judy Dench snapped her Achilles tendon mm. during rehearsals for the old Grumpy Cat. Gumby Cat, the old Gumby Cat, which was not the Grizabella role that she was playing. It was the double cast role that she was playing as Jenny Annie Dots. Jenny Many Dots? Jenny Annie Dots. Anyway. Jenny, Jenny with Annie. the Dots. Jenny with the Dots. So she snapped her Achilles tendon and had to pull out one week before the first preview. Ooh, that made my like, ankles hurt. So, but Oof. according to Jonathan, who's on tour with the show, uh, there's a rumor, <gasps> a rumor. Allegedly. That, allegedly that, where did it go? That Judy Dench faked her injury <gasps> to get out of Dame a, Dench. to get out of this flop of a show that she thought it was going to be which I don't blame her honestly yeah. honestly do not blame her for it's that a, but yeah. like we've talked about how frustrating workshops can be imagine mm-hmm. about to you're about to go up on Broadway and your and reputation still, depends on this still doing workshop changes yeah I, I get it you're <laughs> in previews and you don't have a damn song yet yeah you don't even or you don't you're just going sequin dress and my paws and tail exactly oh my god yeah no it was it i wouldn't blame her for wanting to drop out but that's just a rumor she may have actually hurt her achilles tendon ouchies so after this the original music director chris walker also had to leave the production for medical reasons and was replaced by the film conductor harry rabanowitz chris walker walker out he walkered out the he door. He walkered out the door. And Rabinowitz walkered on in there. So <laughs> Dench's understudy, Myra Sands, replaced her as Jenny Annie Dots, while Elaine Page agreed to take over the role of Grizabella. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Opening night was pushed back to May 11th, but McIntosh refused to postpone the previews as he wanted to dispel the industry rumors that the production was an impending debacle. <laughs> So he's like, no, this is no, it's good. I promise, we're all right. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, no, and uh, apparently, like, I, I wouldn't blame again Judy Dench for faking an injury because she really was worried about her reputation, which it sounds like all of London was worried about her reputation with that show. I mean, she's a so, dame. She's dame. She's but dame. I guess Judy Dench, Sir Cameron. Mm-hmm. So. Regarded as, quote-unquote, one of the most challenging shows to dance in, the music, in musical theater history, mm. dance plays a major role in Cats, as the original creative team had specifically set out to create, quote-unquote, England's first dance musical. So before Cats, the industry-wide belief was that British dancers were inferior to their Broadway counterparts. Mm. So that's why they wanted to prove them, prove us wrong. I mean, Cats, this god-awful musical was made because London, Britain was just trying we to prove dance, us wrong. God damn it. <laughs> the Brits can dance. <laughs> we can dance. They were just trying to prove Americans wrong, which if there's going to be a bad musical... That they make successful that they make somehow. Successful, of course, it's because yes, they, Americans were assholes. Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. So, so they did cats who show off their assholes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the risky hiring of a British choreographer, Len, for British dance musical was described as one of, uh, was described by one historian as, quote unquote, a vivid and marvelous gesture, gesture of transatlantic defiance. It's a lot of words. That's a lot. That's a big quote. Transatlantic 
Atlantic defiance, <laughs> making Lynn's job more challenging uh, was the fact that the music in Cats was unceasing and the majority of the cast remains on stage throughout nearly the entire fucking show. Everything just started hurting. Yeah, Mike Healy snapped just now, too. Yep. Yep. Whoops. Sorry, I gotta go. I can't be in this show that we're on stage Don't for the entire know. time. Don't you know. <laughs> Don't you know. So Lynn choreographed the original production, London production, with a dance crew consisting of her assistant, Lindsay Dolan, the captain, dance captain, Joanne Robinson, and cast members, Finola Hughes and John Thornton. The resulting choreography blends ballet, modern dance, jazz, and tap. Yeah, there was a, cha- a tap scene, and I had stopped paying attention, and then I looked up, and I'm like, when did they get tap shoes? Because they're on stage the whole time. Yeah, when did, when did that happen? But they've got, like, little hidey holes in their trash heap on, on stage. <laughs> also, um, if you watch something rotten, which we have not covered, but at one point, they like there's little covers you can put on your tap shoes mm-hmm. that you can pull off. So I maybe they're it. wearing them already. Maybe. Well, so all of that ballet, modern jazz and tap were interspersed with acrobatic displays. There's literally, there's somebody flying across stage at the beginning. Jella, <laughs> cold cats. Oh my gosh, she's going to hit everybody. <laughs> just like waving in the air. Hey, you just make up shit and you get on stage, right? That's how this goes. <laughs> you go. I grabbed, I grabbed this rope I found. Um, I'm just going to play gonna with fly it. now. <laughs> So, I got caught on my paw. You're just, uh, you're help, just holding help. on my claw. Who put actual claws in these costumes? <laughs> so Lynn also trained the cast to evoke the movement, physicality, and behavior of actual cats. These feline traits were incorporated into the movement and choreography so as to create a anthroph- anthropomorphic illusion. That's a big word, too. <laughs> Lynn, you said it, though. I said it. I was right. Lynn considered the 13-minute Jellicle Ball dance to be the crux of the show, which, y'all, that's the first song. I was like, and I'm we like, got through it. I, no, I was looking at my watch going, what the fuck? How long is this? And, like, it's longer than Into the Woods intro. Yeah. As long as fuck. So, anyway, the Jellicle Ball just kept on going, and it felt like it was the same thing being said over and over again. It is the same thing. It's Jellicle just Jellicle cats. cats, Jellicle. We just put the emphasis on the different parts of different, Jellicle. Different syllables. Different syllables. So, it was just like, holy fuck, when is this going to be over? But it was it was beautiful, beautifully danced. Um, so, Lynn considered the 13-minute Jellicle Ball dance to be the crux of the show, noting that in order to work as a dance-driven musical, Cats had to succeed there or die. So, she <laughs> recalled the difficulty she faced in persuading Lloyd Webber to add the extended dance break, culminating in her and her dance crew having to dance all the parts in the Jellicle Ball to convince him. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? It's her fault, though. It's that's her a fault. 13-minute number. So believe it or not, Cats opened to positive reviews at the new London Theater in the West End at ni- in 1981, and then mixed huh. reviews at the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway in 1982. Interesting. But it won a bunch of awards, which I'll talk about later. And despite its unusual premise that deterred in- investors initially, the musical turned out to be an unprecedented commercial success with a worldwide gross of U.S. $3.5 billion by 2012. Oh, holy Okay. Yeah, billions of dollars for cats. Wow. People love cats. You get the crazy cat ladies to, to go watch a musical, and you're going to make some money. I'm also imagining, like, 
a weed, a weed dealer outside <laughs> that, that the theater has hired. <laughs> That's what. Hey, you want some cocaine? <laughs> you're so, you're I'll see. You want to come see a show? Want to come see a show? Come see a show. Yeah. You know, they're like to. spiking the drinks. Oh my god! Wow, everything was so colorful. So, co- so colorful. The cats were beautiful. <laughs> So here's don't some really shit. know what happened at the end. Here's some tea, though. <laughs> okay, more tea. More tea. Andrew Lloyd Webber personally underwrote the musical because they couldn't get investors to to get yeah. in on this. Duh, I would not have invested in this. But uh, he actually took out a second mortgage on his house for the down Ooh, payment wow. for the down payment of the theater. He later recalled that if Cats had been a commercial failure, it would have left him in financial ruin. <gasps> so the remaining capital was eventually raised by a bunch of small investments, um, investors procured from 220 individuals through newspaper advertisements. And it's after... Go fund me. Right? After the musical became a massive hit, the rate of return for these investors was estimated to have exceeded $3,500 per cent. <gasps> should have invested in oh, cats shit. when you had we a chance. Have invested. We weren't born. Fuck. We weren't born at that point. Damn it. I know. Sorry. So the London production ran for 21 years. Holy fuck. And 8,000. It, <laughs> it can drink. It's that old. 8,949 performances, while Broadway production ran for... 18 years with 7,485 performances, making Cats the longest-running musical in both theater districts for in both theater districts for a number of years. So Cats has since been revived in the West End twice and on Broadway once. It's also been translated into multiple languages and performed around the world many times. Jellicle gatos. And then in in Norwegia, it'd be Jellicle. Katana. Katana. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. So long-running foreign productions include a 15-year run at the Operetten House in Hamburg and played over 6,100 performances, as well as ongoing run in a purpose-built theater in Japan that has played over 10,000 performances since it opened in 1983. Jesus Christ. Op- Operetten House, I literally think translates to opera the house. Opera House. Yeah. <laughs> Cats started the mega musical phenomenon, establishing a global market for the musical theater, for musical theater, and directing the industry's focus to big budget blockbusters. Can you believe Cats did that? I just I can't believe cats did that. It's scary bad. It's because people worship them. It's what's in their That's litter. True. Apparently, that is true. Oh well, and I think they mentioned that in the in the Jellicle Cat song, something along the lines of "We poop now, you worship me." It, it, no, it was like we've been around since the the beginning of time, since since the pyramids were built. It, it was. It's like, oh, these might be alien cats because the aliens came to help build. You know that whole myth, that the whole like story, like aliens came to help build the, the pyramids and stuff. Oh, I just thought it was Stonehenge, but vaguely and Stonehenge, but yeah. like cats are their rulers. So <laughs> I can't believe it. it started this mega blockbuster thing. I was like, as so well the as, grays are just a whole bunch of tabbies. Yeah, that's so funny. And so like also, it's it like blew up family and tourist friendly shows. Like this was the oh. show that you came to see in New York with your family. You had to come see Cats on Broadway. The Staunty. 
Aww. Yeah. Well, they saw it when it, it came through Houston when yeah. Dante was little bitty. And Aww. that was like her first show that she saw. So the musical's profound but polarizing influence also shaped the aesthetic technology and marketing of the medium. Cats was adapted into a uh, into a direct-to-video film in 1998, which you was one of the first good. times. <laughs> one of the first times that's ever happened. So 1998. We get a film and a feature film directed by Tom Hooper in 2019 that we shall not talk about. Well, I feel like we are going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it a little bit. (laughs) Jonathan also told us that not only does does the orchestra play from a remote location... The orchestra meows are made with synthesizers, so there's a lot of meows that happen in the in the show. A fugue of synthesizers. An, an overture even features a fugue for synthesizers. Sorry, yeah. I just was like, it's so funny that Andrew Lloyd Webber has all these classical ideas, like the opera, but it's all you know, he drum wants it to be yeah. and electric guitars and synthesizers. Mm-hmm. I know. His influences were Elvis and the opera. Yeah. That's that's where he gets a lot of his... And James and I were talking about it the other night. It's like he wanted to be Puccini, but just didn't have the chops to write like Puccini. So he just did so Puccini did with an electric guitar. With some electric guitar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it works. Brilliant. Brilliant. It worked for him. Oh, speaking of which, like a, a huge like hit to the opera world. Carlisle Floyd passed away this week. Holy fuck. They have a whole like rehearsal room named after him at HGO because he helped like bring a lot of shit to Houston. Mm-hmm. And we, we premiered a lot of his works at HGO. And like they're actually offering grief counseling at HGO to the people of the company because there's actually two oh. people died this week. It was crazy. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Carlisle Floyd is like a really well-known opera writer, but way to go to HGO. I feel, yeah, they're doing it right. Um, it's, but it's like Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted to be this operatic writer. Yeah. And he just never quite hit the nail on the head, but he started some new shit, which was interesting. So, I mean, yeah, you got to give it to him. 3,500 to to the cent. Yeah. No, that's pretty damn good. (laughs) I mean, when we say scary, bad Broadway, we mean, we just didn't like it. It's not our cup of tea. This was a scary, successful show though it was it was scary how successful it was yeah exactly and but okay <laughs> i think people just watch it because they want to cringe they do and i'm gonna before i finish up i'm gonna uh-huh. talk about awards and a couple of well-known people that you're gonna recognize yay the 1980 tv film names include uh so whoever played old deuteronomy his name was ken page and i was like i don't know that name He's the voice of Oogie Boogie in Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, yes. Oh, my God. And now that I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. <gasps> he was also the alligator in, oh, fuck, what was it? Like Peter Pan? Did he go no. Dog? <laughs> I want to say all dogs go to heaven, but that's not correct. I'll have to go back and look at it later. But he played the alligator in this this well-known children's series that I list, or that I watched. Um, also in that film, Rum Tum Tucker was played by Terrence Mann, who you may know that name, but... I was watching it. I was like, holy shit. He looks just like Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror. He looks like Tim Curry. He's so sexy in that makeup, that cat makeup. I've never been attracted to a cat before. Why am I attracted to a cat? <laughs> and I told my mom that. And she's like, oh, my God, that's Terrence Mann. I was like, who is that? She's like, Terrence Mann. He was in Chorus Line. He was the choreographer in Chorus Line. A five, six, seven, eight. That's him. So... He looks so much like Tim Curry. Okay, so literally, like, just a different... It's a different spectrum. It's on the other side of the spectrum of Tim Curry hotness for you. 
No, it's like he's got the hair and the eyebrows that are very expressive. I think it's because he looked like a cat. He no, uh, mm-hmm. no and he, then he's you, were, got, you he's, literally quote him. He is. We quote him all the time. Exactly. Oh, five, six, seven, eight. But hey, it's Terrence. I just think Man. you're strangely connected. I'm to cats. You really just want to pet him. Ugh, I did though. <laughs> His costume was really good. He played Rum Tum Tucker, which is like. A sexy cat. Anyway, oh we're going to move on because <laughs> I had feelings about Rum Tum Tucker and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to unpack this. You watched it for Wines and Dolls, but you stayed for Rum Tum Tucker. I stayed for Rum Tum Tucker. <laughs> and uh, Grizabella was Betty Buckley in that, in that production. Yeah, which was great. They ended up, I like that they ended up going with a split in the character instead of the same person. Having it come out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, in the original 1981 We've got Jelly Lorem being played by Susan Jane Tanner. And you're like, who's that? She was the original Madame Tenardier in Les Mis. Oh, okay. OG. I'm the, like, who's Jelly Lorem? But so, I feel like we're going to get to all of these kitty cats. We'll have to talk about it later. There's too much to episode. Yeah. Ellen Page played Grizabella. She's the one who took over for Judy Dench. Excuse me. I got a burp. And then Sarah Brightman was this cat. Um, she played a couple of them, but Jemimu and Syllabub. And, and this cat is the first one that accepts Grizabella. Grizabella is just kind of like thrown off and she's like rejected by the other cats. I feel like they've just taken the, like the actor's names and just rearranged the letters. They explain how the cats get their names in a song. So we'll get there. Okay. Rumple teaser. Rumple teaser. Was a doctor, uh, the woman who played Rumpelteaser, her name was Bonnie Langford. She's a Doctor Who a Doctor Who companion in the 80s and a child star. So the oh. Doctor Who companion who she played was Mel Bush later on. If you ever watched, if you go back that far in the, um, in the Doctor Who. In the decades of Doctor Who. Universe. Uh, Tantamile was played by Femi Taylor. So Femi, I was like, I don't know that name, but it's got a little highlight. So I'm going to look at her. She's a Nigerian-born British dancer and actress best known for portraying Jabba the Hutt's slave dancer in the 1983 motion picture Return of the Jedi. Oh, my God. You know how Jabba the Hutt has this slave dancer who's attached to a chain? Yeah, that's her. Oh. That's Femi Taylor. What the hell? I know. What the hell is that connection? That's crazy. That's I know. She's Return of the Jedi. Before she... So that was no, after. No, this is after because she was in the 1981 production of Cats and then she got and 1983 she, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, as I was yeah. saying, like she got booked for Return of the mm-hmm. Jedi after mm-hmm. Cats. After Cats. Wow. Cats is magic, apparently. Cats is magic. Cats is magic. <laughs> and then the movie that we don't want to watch that I, James wants to watch it just to look for the buttholes or the not, he wants to watch like the unedited one without the buttholes and just go point out the buttholes. So uh, the Graham movie. watches it a lot. Graham Bright, yeah. I know. <laughs> I he like was he's actually, like, Graham, shout out to Graham. He was just posting about how he just watched Dear Evan Hansen, the movie. Yeah. And he's trying to compare it to both Cats, the movie, and Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman. Yeah. And he's got like this whole diagram of, of what's worse. Like, Greatest Showman for him is still is the worst. Is still the worst. Then it's. I think it's Dear Evan then, I, then, then it's Dear it's Evan cats. Hansen, and then it's Cats, yeah. which is a lot. That's saying a so lot. So saying that Dear Evan Hansen is worse than Cats. Yeah. But it, from Yikes. what I heard, it's from everyone. It's because they did the whole film in, like, close-up on Ben Platt. And it's like, we know that, that he is old. Don't do that. We'll Don't have to unpack that later. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't either. Ugh. I want to. I okay. have to. So we in have the movie, day. we finally get to see 
Dame Judy Dench. Oh, I love her. She's finally a part of Cats at many, 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 many years later. Many moons later. But she's not playing Grizabella, which is who I assumed she was playing in the show, mm. in the movie. I haven't seen the movie. She's playing Old Deuteronomy, which is like the cat leader. He's like, well, okay. To be fair, Judy Dench is a leader. She's a so leader. I'm into that. But it's like a male written role. So for like a base, the guy who played Oogie Boogie played Old Deuteronomy. Give it old to the contralto. Apparently. So Jennifer Hudson actually played Grizabella, which was surprising because like Grizabella's old. Grizabella's supposed to be old. She's not supposed to be pretty. She's supposed to have outgrown her beauty. Yeah. So that's interesting to me. Ooh, and then Grizabella has, sorry, I'm interrupting because I'm saying Grizabella, she, even on the West End, like it was always replaced by like, Leona Lewis. It was people who were not actors who could just come out, sing a song, and then get transported to I guess. the heaven side lair. I don't know. There's so. like a whole thing with Grizabella. So, so what's the celebrity part? But you have to be able to belt the touch me, it's so easy to leave me. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to sing it or else you just don't get the feels. It's literally the singing role for... It's it's a celebrity role. It's celebrity a celebrity role. singer role, let's yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. You do not have to be able to dance. To be Grizabella. Taylor Swift is Bombalurina. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then James Corden. I didn't know James Corden was in the movie. I just missed oh, that. I didn't know that. He's <laughs> Bustopher Jones. Ian McKellen is in this movie. He's playing Gus, which is short for Asparagus. <sighs> oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, can I say, Gus is the saddest part of the whole movie. Like, Grizabella's Aww. sad and all, but Gus comes out and he's shaking and they sing about it, about how he shakes because he's so old. He's an old actor cat. So to have fucking Ian McKellen playing Gus about how I used to do Shakespeare on stage. And he's like sad. And at the end, he kind of forgets where he is and looks off. And no. Is like, oh, it's sad. It's very no. sad. And mm. Gus doesn't get transported to the magical alien it's land. Just like sad, old, fabulous, gris- Yeah. No, I don't like this. Don't okay, like I it. I already hate it. And then Jenny Any Dots is Rebel Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense to me. I don't know why. I, I just, just yeah. I don't even remember who Jenny Any Dots is. But the one like, that was doubled with Grizabella. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. And then Monkrastrap. Monkrastrap. Monkrastrap is Robert Fairchild, who I know you may not recognize that name, but he's um, he was one of the original cast members of American in Paris, which Dante also got to do. Aww. She was the choreographer on American in Paris, her assistant choreo. choreo. Dante needs to do a cat survival. It will bring her full sh- circle or something. Right? That would be so funny. She's busy enough with MJ the musical and Diana. And Diana on which Netflix. It was interesting. Oh, wait. Hold on. Okay. Before we wrap this up, we can talk more about that later. Awards. 11 nominations at the Tony Awards. Wow. 11. And they won seven. Oh, my God. Including Best New Musical. Uh, They won Best New Musical at the Olivier Awards, and they were nominated for, like, seven, and then got three, I think. And they also hold, Cats has a Grammy for the Best Musical Theater cast album. So this flop of a fucking cat-crazed cocaine trip (laughs) is one of the most... It's just about cats. It's about, yeah. No, it's... Just about cats. Like somebody asked Andrew Lloyd Webber once, 
is there more to this story? Is it like political? Did you put some political beliefs in this? He's like, no, it's just about cats. It's literally cats. It's just There's about no political cats. undertones. No political undertones. Cats. Just cats. I just like cats. I just like <laughs> it's cats. Like if, it's like if I went and wrote a musical. Are you talking about the inequality in pay differences between women and men in this song? And I'd be like, no, it's just about cats. <laughs> it's true. The... Tom Rum Tom Tucker stole Jenny like Annie Dot's treats, and I just wanted to. And he wanted belly rubs. I, I thought it was sad, so oh, I put stupid. it in. This happened with my cats. <laughs> and then Nibbler bit the shit out of everyone's bit Achilles. The shit. <laughs> God. And that's that's uh, that's my background. <sighs> that was a hell know, of a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of information. It's a on lot cats. to unpack. Um, now I'm really excited to hear your version of the synopsis. Well, you have to hang on to your yeah. butts and wait till next week. I'm going to hang on to my uh, my butthole that was not edited out. Your butthole was not edited mm-hmm. out. Edited out. Edited out. Okay. There was this guy in London once. <laughs> I was on a tour uh, of, I don't remember where I was touring. Oh, it was Stonehenge. It was the Stonehenge tour. And we were on a bus going... Yes, the Catanus. This is the Catanus story. Have I told this Catanus story? Go ahead for our new listeners. Okay, for our new listeners, this man was super cute and he was British and he was like, if you are late getting back to the bus, we shall all give you dirty looks and purse our lips like this and give you our best Catanus. Catanus? What's a Catanus? Cat anus. So you make a cat anus. When you purse your lips into a cat anus position. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Everybody show us your Catanus. I'll make sure to take a picture and post it to Instagram. <laughs> oh, Christy was there for that. Those were good times. Oh, man. We had fun. You know what? We're also good times. Are roll you going to have fun? You want to see our patrons' catanuses? I, I actually, honestly, yeah, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Send us your best catanus. Uh, all your patrons, all the patrons, actually just anyone. This is op- this is an open invitation. Open invitation. Please send we, us your best, watch, your, bet, your best catanus. Watch what you're asking and for. And then we'll, put, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we can put like a, a collaboration, or not collaboration, a, what's it called? A collage of them. Collage on, of a your collage cat anuses. Of the Thank you for sending us your cat anus. Patreon for you. Beautiful. Maybe we'll announce a winner who has the best catanus. <laughs> and make sure it's not your anus. I don't want to see your anus. Thank you. The you planet. Your anus, the planet. <laughs> the planet. <laughs> oh, stupid. If you would like to join our patrons, though, you can join them at patreon.com slash wines and dolls. And there are direct links to our everything at winesanddolls.com. And, of course, you can email us where you can send those catanuses at winesanddolls at gmail.com or just via... <laughs> Our social media, Wines and Dolls. I want cat uh, anuses now. God. <laughs> Nibbler is always like scooting her butt along the floor. Nibbler is the goddamn worst. She's the worst. She's and too fat to clean her own cat catanus. So she scoots it on the floor. And with that, we'll be back next week with part two of Cats. <laughs> I'm Chelsea. I'm Emily. And this has been Wines and Dolls. Dolls. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> That's